Fit us for heaven so that we can live with you there. That's uh, that's some pretty powerful words right there, folks. That's why I say it like I did last week. I'm not sure why we don't sing Christmas songs throughout the year. We, and we do that for, for Easter songs. Uh, we do that for Pentecost songs. Why not uh, Christmas? It gets It's only all packed into four weeks, I guess, but that's all right. Luke, we make the best of them. We make the most of them. Uh, Luke chapter 2 is where I'm at this morning. The Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 2. Now remember, just as a little bit of context, that Luke was a Gentile. Um, he is not a Jew, uh, which, which means he's kind of outside of the, of the elect faith, of course. But uh, he writes Luke and he also writes Acts, so he ends up writing one-third of the New Testament. And his gospel is the third gospel. And it's also the fourth gospel that we're going to look at in this series on Advent, which is, uh, is, is the last of today. So we have, uh, we've looked at Matthew, and we saw how Jesus is viewed in Matthew as the high king. The king of kings, as we say, uh, and lord of lords. Uh, we then saw the next week, the following week in Mark, how... He's high and lifted up in Matthew as king of kings, and yet then he becomes a lowly servant, like a slave, washing his disciples' feet, serving others rather than being served. End up giving his own life for others uh, and not trying to keep his life. And so we go from very high and lifted up to the lowest of the low. Then last week we looked at the Gospel according to John, which his primary focus is Jesus as the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh, right? To summarize chapter 1. So, now we turn to the, this, uh, this third Gospel, but fourth in our series again, and, um, and we're going to look at Luke. Now, again, the four Gospels too are four perspectives on Jesus, from four different individuals. In other words, these are eyewitness accounts. You know, that's the way we do our news, right? It's a tornado, it's a hurricane, somebody gets out there in it, right? Oh, it's a hurricane. You know, why can't you just tell me? Shoot me an email. Why do I need to see it? Well, we like eyewitness accounts, that's why. Right? So these are eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus Christ. You say, we don't know anything about Jesus. Uh, yeah, we do. We have four eyewitness accounts. In other words, people who actually saw him. People who touched Him, people who were with Him when He was here with us in the flesh. So, hear this uh, account from St. Luke, beginning in chapter 2 with verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house, he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, uh, his uh, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with that one angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. This is the story about You, O Lord and Your birth. You're becoming one of us. So Lord, we thank You for Your Advent. Lord, we know that there's going to be a second Advent, and may the next few moments help prepare us for that coming. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christmas sometimes can seem like a season, holiday, for children. You know, this is where the focus normally lies. You're trying to get gifts and you're trying to make it special for them. Let me challenge you though this morning and say that Christmas is a holiday, a season, a sacred day. You know, holiday, by the way. You know, people say, Happy holidays. Say, What holiday? Well, Christmas or this hot. Holidays comes from the term holy day. So, happy holy days. Isn't it funny how you can uh, try to remove things? from a secular standpoint, that are religious, but yet you can't ever get rid of the etymology of words. That's why I like etymology. I read sometimes etymological dictionaries, um, which makes me a nerd, uh, obviously. But but um, if you look up the word holiday, it's going to be holy day. And, um, and this is a holy day, and it's holy because of Jesus. It's holy because of what He's done here. And it's also holy for us adults. It's not just a special moment for children. And I want, I want to challenge you this morning that these words here uh, ought to change your life, uh, but it's also our, God's gift to us. In other words, we're going to surprise you know, children with gifts, and you're going to be surprised with a couple of gifts as well as adults, but, but this is the greatest gift ever given. Because what God gives to us is Himself. And that ultimately is the best type of gift that anyone could ever give to you is of themselves. I mean, I can give you money. I can give you gift cards. I can give you stuff. But in order to give you my time, that's myself. That is my life. I only have 24 hours in a day. I wish I had more sometimes. I don't. 
When I give you my time, I give you my life. And God gives us His very life. It's the greatest gift ever. He is Himself pure gift. God is. And so Christmas is a time where we again unpack, if you will, unravel, open up this thing of the incarnation. In flesh. That's what incarnation means. Carne, like carnivorous animals. In the flesh. God, who is spirit, who can't be seen. Right? People say, show me God. If God comes down, I'll believe in Him. Well, He already has. And we have the eyewitness accounts here. So if you don't believe them, then you're refusing what is right before you. Which is reality itself. Don't we sometimes find that reality is a little odd? You ever notice that? You ever ever had this idea like, you say, man, I'd really like to visit this place. Say Montana. You get up there and there's nothing there. You got this idea of some kind of frontier type of thing and you get there and you're ready to go home. Because the reality is not the same as your fantasy. You understand? You ever notice how books and stuff and stories, they kind of are predictable. At least Jessica's movies are. Her her little chick flicks, I can tell you what's going to happen from the very beginning. I can put money on it. Every single time, I'm dead on. That guy's going here, that dude's going there, he's out. Um, they're very predictable. But reality, real life, in other words, is not predict, uh, is not, you can't predict it, can you? You'd be the richest person in the world if you could. You can't predict people, can you? You, you notice that yet? That's why people are so fascinating. It's, man, one week to the next, one year to the next, if we're changing, there's a lot to us. Reality is odd at times. You don't believe me, just, just think how, how children view birth. <laughs> oh yeah, mommy's got a you know, baby in her tummy. Yeah, that's right. A little more to it than that, right? At least that's what I found out after having four children. It's a lot to this thing. I, I had, had a picture in my mind, oh, it must work like this. No, it doesn't work anything like that. It's a crazy process. It's a very odd process. Very unique and shocking reality is. See, we can make up our fantasies. We can write our own stories, but they're pretty predictable. Reality isn't. Never meets us in predictability. That's why life is so interesting. People are so interesting. And that's why the Gospel is so fascinating and real. Who would have predicted... If Christians were making up the story of Jesus, we wouldn't have used a virginal birth. Just think about that for a moment. Why would we cause ourselves much problems? <laughs> well, we can't. You explain that to me. Uh, if we were trying to make up God, we wouldn't make Him a holy trinity. We'd make Him Allah, who is just one man in heaven. No, now we got this three personal God that is one. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. But it's real. That's reality. It's always shocking. It's always surprising. It has that smell to it that we know when we see it that it's real. This story of Jesus is a nice story. No one really ever complains about the story. 
Everybody likes to hear it read. Everybody thinks it's a sacred story. Even across the map on world religions, they think it's a sacred story. But I'm saying it's also at the same time a good story, a fun story, a heartwarming story, but a real one. It's got the aspects of reality written all within it. God became a little baby. (laughs) I don't know if that gets you excited or not, but it does me. That's the gospel that we believe in. Jesus became... Now you say, okay, well, that's, that's all... Grand and good. I mean, we, we, we get this picture and we like that. But why did he have to do that? Why did he have to become one of us? Why could I mean, he is God after all, right? And God is all sovereign, we say, which means he can do anything he wants to do. Why can't he just wave his wand and say, You are forgiven? Why can't he just wave his wand and say, Your sins are gone? It's taken care of. Done. Why does he have to go through all this? Why does he have to take on flesh? Why does he have to have blood flowing through his veins? Why does he have to go to the cross? He says, I must go to the cross. He truly was the only person born to die for the very purpose of dying. Why? Isn't that odd? Again, what's going on there? Well, apparently our sin problem runs deep. It's not an easy fix. It doesn't just need a band-aid. Really, inside of here, there's something that really has gone wrong. Deep. It's not just a surface problem. It's not just trying better. Some have misinterpreted what it is we're saying as Christians and what we're inviting you to, which is why I'm trying to emphasize today and repeat it. Count the cost. Christianity costs you your life. Have you not heard? If no one's ever presented that part of the package, then you've not heard the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to take your life. But by giving your life away, you will gain life. If you try to hold on to your life, it's like trying to hold on to sand. The harder you squeeze it, the more comes out and drops to the ground. It's not going to happen. That's why there's a principle built into reality. You already know it. It's the giving principle. We all like people who are giving. No one doesn't. No one hates the guy who's ready to help him. <laughs> I mean, I love to have neighbors who are giving. Hey man, can I help you with this? Can I help you? Oh, absolutely. Hey, I really like that guy is the way I leave that conversation. The guy who's draining on me, pulling on me. Hey, I need your help. I, 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 you know, hey, he's alright. He's alright. We know that principle of giving, and yet it's tough for us to give, isn't it? It's really tough for us to give what's closest to us <laughs> which is ourself. Me. What makes you, you? That's what's most, that's what we guard most, isn't it? We can, we can give our money, we can give this stuff, that's, we outsource a lot of stuff in our modern world, that's fine, we push that out, but we protect ourselves. 
This is the only response in Christianity is the cross. That's why it's our symbol. Jesus says very clearly, if you want to be my disciple, my follower, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. No, no, he didn't go to a party when he took up his cross. He went to the place of the skull, Golgotha. And he died. He gave, he gifted his life to us. Now you can hold on to your life and keep holding on to your life, you know, and just keep guarding what's way down in here. As I said, the problem runs deep. It's deep. It is deep. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus came, God became a little baby so that He could undo all that we got tangled into. There's this term in Christian theology called recapitulation, which just simply means to recap. What God had to do was undo what we did wrong. The only way that could have been done was for Him to become human. He is the new Adam, is He not? Adam affected us all, didn't He? Don't, don't sometimes say, man, I wish Adam wouldn't have sinned. I hate to have to go to work. I have to work out in the field. I have to work with my hands, you know. Apparently food was just around in the garden until we messed up. And then some of you women say, man, I wish Eve wouldn't have really given him that fruit, whatever it was. One of my professors used to say, it wasn't the apple in the tree, but the pear on the ground. P-A-I-R. He was very corny, trust me. And so we partook of the fruit in Adam, Paul says in Romans, and all died in Adam. In other words, there's something dead about us in here, that is. Not just physical death. In here, we're spiritually dead on arrival because of Adam. But also, we become spiritually dead because of us. It's not just Adam's fault. We can't push it off on him. Can't push it off on Eve. Ultimately, we make the decision to go against God. We tell Him no. We are the brat. We, we are the disobedient child. It's us. And we must take ownership of that, which is confession. I must confess to God. I must be honest enough to God to realize that I do have a deep problem. And that Jesus came to undo that problem in me. In other words, He lived the life that we could not live so that we can now live the life that He has for us. That's the Gospel. That's the good news of... That's the, that's the greatest Christmas gift ever is again, God Himself. He comes to undo everything that we did wrong. We got ourselves tangled up. And He comes to untangle us. Unwrap us, if you will, to use a Christmas analogy. He's the new Adam, and that means that now He is the dispenser, not of death, but of life. But the only way, <laughs> the only way that you can experience life is to first experience a type of death, which is your own spiritual death. Babies do this. This is what baptism is a symbol of. Going down under the water, 
rising again. That's why mourning is always seen as resurrection because at night, you're like you're dead. If I watch you at night while you're sleeping, look at dead, right? Man, he's out. Looks like he's dead. In the morning, you rise. We rise. There's this motif, if you will, all throughout our lives of this dying and rising. Look at the, look at the grass out there. My grass is brown-ish. It'll come back to life in the spring. Right around Easter time, interestingly. Hmm. Think God designed that out at all? Maybe. New life through death. It's fascinating. Isn't it odd again? It's odd, isn't it? You know, a baby in the womb, they've got it made, don't they? They're being fed intravenously through the umbilical cord. No diaper changes at this point. They're cruising. They're, they're warm, safe. You know, they, they think it's spacious. They don't know anything different, right? But then they go through this really odd process, don't they? Trust me, it's very odd if you've never seen it in person. It'll shock you right out of your pants. And once they go through that, you can imagine the, the shock of this baby. You know, what is going on? I don't like this. I'm leaving my home. What in the world is happening? To be born into a much larger world than they ever conceived. Isn't that right? I mean, can you imagine the shock? I mean, that's probably why they cry when they come out. Ah, they're, they're scared to death. It's a good thing that they cry because you know they're breathing, but it's a whole new world opens up, doesn't it? When we go through this type of death. There's another death that you're going to meet, that I'm going to meet, that will also be a birthing type experience. <coughs> and if you are one who is born again, as the Scripture says, then a whole new world will be open to you in that moment. We think that this world is big. We think this universe is huge. We have no idea what's outside of the womb. <coughs> God came and tabernacled with us inside of Mary first, in the womb, in utero. Gestated there from a zygote all the way to baby. And then He lived for 33 years and He died. That's the cycle of human life, isn't it? Birth, death, life. Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's what He came for. Our problem was so deep, He had to come Himself. He couldn't outsource it to the prophets. He couldn't outsource it to the apostles. He couldn't trust anyone else. You ever had a job like that? Let me just do it myself. God says, let me just do it myself. And so... In order for us to be opened up into new life, we must too be reborn. Be born again. Nicodemus says, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about born of the Spirit. God will transform your life when you die spiritually. In other words, you have to put yourself aside and look unto God. That's all it takes. And you do that by faith. In other words, trust in Him. You know what it looks like to be self-consumed. Only worried about yourself. You never look up for anyone else or 
see anybody else's needs. You only see your own. Nobody likes those kind of people. There's a reason for it. There's a principle in the world of gift, of giving. God placed it there, and God is that gift. You'll never be a giving person. You'll never be someone that has a good heart until God changes your heart, until you realize you can't do it yourself. Stop trying. Stop fighting and rest. There is a rest for the people of God. And it's in Jesus. That's the reason He came. He took on our headaches, our stomach aches, our pains. He wept, remember? God wept. Wow! God died! And God resurrected because death is not an enemy to us anymore. He has turned it into a life-giving source. Your death, putting yourself aside, will mean life in Christ if you will trust Him. So the gift that God would want you to have is Jesus. The gift that you must give is yourself. What you get in return is everything. You have everything in the world, but not Jesus. You have nothing. You have Jesus and have nothing else, and you have everything. (laughs) Praise be to God! That means I don't have to work all my life for some mansion or for some kind of prestige. Have everything I need in Jesus Christ. Do you? Do you know that? Is it in here? Have you been born again? Have you unwrapped yourself to God? Or are you still closed? It's time to unwrap. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas time. Which means it's Christ's time. Not your time. Not my time. If you want to be the best example for your kids, live for Jesus Christ. He is reality. He's what is real. He's more real than us. He's the one who makes us real. Do you know Jesus this morning? Because if you don't, you can. Right now. Doesn't take long. All you have to do is call on His name. He's already here. Is He not Emmanuel, God, with us? And here's the crazy thing. I'm going to blow your socks off right here. He comes to live in here. (laughs) Woo! I mean, He tabernacled in Mary, right? Tabernacle... Remember the Old Testament? I can't go in at one time, but everybody with me? He tabernacles now in merit. Now his tabernacle is not made of stone or of cloth, but you. That's where he wants to dwell. In you. <laughs> Whoo, man, that's good news. That's the best news you'll ever hear in your life. Do you know it? If not, you can. Right now, don't delay any longer. Now is the time for prayer. I'm going to give you a moment to pray to God. We don't ever want to leave a service where we don't give you an opportunity to pray. I prayed earlier, other people, but, but you. You need to talk to God. He's here. He's done everything necessary for you. Would you call on His name? Would you be honest? Would you let Him make you real? I pray you do. Amen.